Good evening and welcome to It's 11 is Heaven for Jamie Vardy, the Leicester City podcast by Leicester City fans, for Leicester City fans, joined tonight by all but one of the lads. Tom has lost his 100% record. I know we'll be listening on somewhere, but he's, uh, he's moved house today. But Steve, you're not in Aberdeen tonight. I can't introduce you there. You're in a little hotel somewhere in Belfast. Temple Patrick, a town called Temple Patrick, just northwest of Belfast, yeah. With your pint of Guinness in hand. With my pint of Guinness in hand, of course, you've got to do that. Haven't you? Yeah, it could get worse as the, the night wears on then. Aidan, also in Belfast, it's good to have you back. It's been a few weeks. Where have you been hiding? Been a few weeks. Um, a lot of commitments in my life, but I've, I've made space for the most important thing this evening. So it's good to be back with you. In times of trouble, we need you to come and steer us through. That's where we're at, isn't it? And indeed, I think indeed. that we've been heading towards those times of trouble. Baz, a happy Baz. Got over Saturday's... Uh, victory at Old Trafford yet for, for the mighty Villa? Uh, still basking in it, thankfully. It was wonderful. Good performance start to finish. Can't, can't be played you love Oz now, don't you? He, uh, that's the best performance ever, and that's not really that hard to compare, to be honest. Yeah. So, yeah. He nearly went from hero to zero in the last minute, though. Well, that's what I mean. He, he's like, I don't know what's wrong with him. He, he does that solid, scores a goal, and then prances about like a ballet dancer. Just play football, man. He's, he's good at it at times. Yeah, we'll move on. We don't want to talk about Villa too much, but <laughs> well done. Aaron, back from Bristol City. The Big Nige revolution continues. 1-1 draw at the weekend against Fulham. Good result, that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I nearly threw my daughter over the sides. To be honest, I got a bit excited and threw her up in the air and didn't quite catch her. Yeah, <laughs> Nige, would, Nige would have dropped kicked her back into, into the stand. <laughs> well, to be fair, yeah. I was touching distance from him. I was that close. So I hadn't told my missus yet that Arabella nearly flew over the side. So I didn't think <laughs> like to come again. So She ain't going to listen to this, is she? Absolutely not, no. Thanks for that. <laughs> a, a, a ringing endorsement of the show as we start. And we're joined again by uh, by Dominic Wells as well, our stat man from a few weeks ago. We need you back, Dominic. We need you to tell us where it's all going wrong for Leicester at the moment. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I wish I had the answers. I'll try and provide some some reasoning. But yeah, I, uh, I don't know what's going on. It's difficult. It is difficult. Steve, you are the most optimistic of us usually at all times. How are you feeling about things at the minute? Are you still calm? I think it's difficult. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> There's been a few games since uh, the last time that we, we did a show. Unfortunately, we didn't do one last week, but I think we'll start with the, the previous game against Burnley. Where do we start with that? I think we should start with it at the back, Aidan. What did you think to Leicester's defending on Saturday? I think I feel we're just we're, we're shaky at the back. Um, I think... It's it's a reflection of the, the lack of confidence in, in the team at the moment. And I guess you have to remember Vestergaard coming in, um uh, coming into the team. Um but it, but he's just across that back four, Ricardo Pereira looked looked shaky and, and not himself. Um you know, we've we've spoken before about maybe the absence of, of the cool head of Johnny Evans and, and how that brings other people out and how that improves the game of, of Sion Chu, for example. Um, yeah, I think we're we're just playing with a lack of confidence at the minute, and and teams are feeding into that. I I of course was the only one of the six of us who predicted the right the correct outcome um, of the match on, on Saturday. I felt that we were never going to win that game, and um, with a, a Sean, Sean Dyche team that were going to come and, and rattle us, um, and no more so than than in defence. 
it's a Burnley team that haven't won a game all season and just still haven't. But going back to Johnny Evans, Aidan, we know from working alongside you on this show that, you know, the Northern Irishmen are not always the most uh, reliable. Uh, one, one, one episode every 10 games, that's uh, pretty much like Johnny. Um, it was a bit of a worry that he wasn't there, wasn't it? It was strange to see him play against Millwall the week before. Yeah, I think there, you know, there, there is that desire. It shows a desire to get him back, um, and maybe they're they're rushing him at the moment. There was a strange decision, of of course, um, earlier on in the month when he was named in the Northern Ireland squad, um, for the 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 qualifiers, and of course never didn't travel and didn't play in the end. But um, maybe that's a reflection of the importance he has for both Leicester City and Northern Ireland that they want to get him back in there. But Johnny's Johnny's on in years and. Um, you know, an injury like that's going to have to give, be given the right time that it needs. Yeah, we need him back soon, Steve. We'll go back to Vestergaard. He took quite a lot of the stick, I suppose, from the 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 fans at the back line for his back line performance at the weekend. Uh, what did you think to him? Is he starting to look like a panic buy? Yeah, a little bit, but I think it's too early to to judge that just yet. I can't see him and Evans playing together. So you see him as a replacement for Evans when Evans isn't fit. Because uh, they're too slow. Uh, he plays some good balls out. He can play some great diagonal balls. He's good on the ball. Um, but I think Burnley were very clever because they tended to put Vidra on him and Wood on Sionchu. And obviously that's a kind of mismatch both ways round. And um, I'm sure that was a deliberate ploy. And Vidra seemed to have Vestergaard on toast. Just he was able to turn him too easy. Vestergaard was too slow. Maybe he's not match fit yet. I don't know. Um, but he wasn't just uh, Vestergaard. Ricardo was caught out three or four times. Nowhere near Cornet. Cornet, I should call him properly. Um, who got through on goal a few times, I think, because Ricardo was caught out of position. So generally, the Burnley managed to pull our defence all over the place during the game. Because it looked like the right lineup on Saturday as well. When that team came out, I think it was the team that a lot of us have been asking for with the, the with the two wingers on there as well. Uh, I know last time we had you on, Dominic, we spoke about Fafana and Siunku probably being a challenge to play together. Since then, obviously, what happened to Fafana with his, his broken leg happened. But uh, what is the issue there at the back for us at the moment? You know, to throw some stats back at you, I think we've got the the worst. Um, the fifth worst record for shots against us, and actually the fourth worst record for goals against us so far this season. It's very unleicester like, isn't it? Yeah, you're spot on with the with the shots thing. Uh, something I was going to bring up later as well. Um, Sorry, no, that's okay. That's quite all right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure really. I said in in my thread that I did after the game that, and it's been something I've been thinking about for a little while that I just don't think Vestward is the right player for us. Um, his profile didn't make a lot of sense to me. He's very similar to what Soyuncu can bring us in terms of that ball playing output. It's marginally better than what Soyuncu can do. And then you look at, as you say, how easily Vidra was able to outpower him, you know, and it's not like he's overly strong. He's quite quick, but, you know, nothing that's too too difficult to deal with. And Vestvard really struggled with that. And you look at the, like, the calibre of striker that is really doing well in the Premier League nowadays. You look at Lukaku, Antonio, but these powerful forwards... I just think Vestergaard's got should be able to deal with them with his stature, and he and he just doesn't have that physicality to his game whatsoever. And then you partner that with a lack of pace. So even if he's losing the physical battle, he's losing the pace battle as well. It's difficult to see 
what he can bring on it from a defensive point, really, because his positioning wasn't good. He got caught out over the top by simple passes from Burnley in the first half. Um, so I envision that we'll switch to a back three to try and solve it, maybe. But with a lack of centre-backs at the moment, it's difficult to fill those gaps. But I think um, I think he's used to playing in a back three with, with Denmark. And I'm hoping that maybe that will be the way to solve that conundrum at the back. Because at the moment, something's really not working. And it is missing Johnny Evans. That's the crucial component of all of this, I think. But yeah, yeah Vestergaard is... We're seeing all of his weaknesses at the moment and not a lot of his positives. And that's a shame, really. So yeah, Barry, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, whether we signed the wrong Danish centre-half because I look at Ayer um, at Brentford and I know that he let three in against Liverpool. But I think he's been... I mean, Brentford hadn't let many goals in before that. I think two this season or something. And I, he's played so much better than Vestergaard and seem, would seem to be uh, more of a fit with Leicester than Vestergaard, to be honest. So I, I just wonder if we... Bought Vestergaard maybe on Michael's insistence, but I, I just think we bought the the wrong Danish centre half. You'd have seen a bit of Ayer, Asia, Ayer up in Scotland, Barry for Celto. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I think it's probably an unfair comparison because they both prefer to play in a three. And like mm-hmm. Dominic said, Vestergaard hasn't played that yet for Leicester. But in that three, what's that look like? Like, I, I think the two. The two slow coaches with one fast one doesn't really work. It works well with the two young fast ones with a old head. Um, but I think we got to give, like, give him a bit of a benefit of the doubt as well. It's, it's his first poor game for Leicester. I think the other games he's been all right. But just he was, um, yeah, just quite with the two strikers. It's, it just kind of pissed me off as well that, again, I, I feel like I dig out Brendan all the time. But like if they came with a plan to put Wood on Cielancu and Vidra on Vestgard, swap them about. Just tell them to mark their man. Don't tell them just to stay in their position. Mm-hmm. Um, they could have prevented that, I think. But you know. Aaron, sorry for the cheeky comparison on this, but do you think that Vestergaard could be the uh, Peter Crouch of the central defensive world? You know, this guy that looks like he should be able to handle all the physicality, win every ball in the air, be strong and tough at the back, and he's, he's getting bullied a little bit. I think like what Barry just said, from what I've seen, he's not looked bad though, has he? everyone's entitled to kind of an off day. They can't be amazing every game. What What did you pay for him? It wasn't mental money, was it? About 15 million, I think, something like that. If he was going to play amazing every game, you'd be paying a lot more than that, wouldn't you? Southampton <laughs> would probably let him go that cheap. So, like 80 million. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. just check Because he's class, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mark, oh, used to work, Mark used to work with... in pre-mark. You should understand this. We would have been better even with Tarkovsky. I'm I trying think. to say. Yeah, I still see Tarkovsky being the one, though, at the end of the season that, that we'll go after on that free transfer. I wonder with... I know that wages might have been an issue, but West Ham getting Zuma, mm. I can't believe that no one else was really knocking around. I know that he wanted 125 grand a week or something, but 30 mil for what he, he's going to contribute to, to that team. Barry? Is he not a fan? <laughs> I'm, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced. To be honest, I think he's like the the Chelsea tightest bramble. Yeah, I'm not really a fan of him. <laughs> I just think he's got mega mega mistakes with him. Like he is just he, he's he's looked golden in a very very good side, and he's going to get tested at Man. Uh, uh, sorry, West Ham. Uh, I've seen that they look pretty good. 
Listen, let's go back to the game on Saturday. I think we had a really early chance, didn't we, uh, Steve, with Jamie Vardy on the end of a Tillemans cross. Uh, how does he miss that? It's, it's very Unvardy-like. I can only imagine that he didn't have a clear view of it because he was he was getting the space in between two defenders. Brilliant cross from Tillemans, who had a great game, by the way, especially in the first half. He seemed back to his best. And he's for me, he's not really done what we'd expect of Tienemans this year. I mean, he was great last year. I think he's been off the pace a little bit this year, but I think he had a fantastic first half. And I think he created five chances, didn't he? Uh, which is the most by any Leicester player this season, I think. Um, but maybe Dominic could tell us more about that. Uh, but yeah, great ball through. I can only think he was he, he didn't see it um, because he should have put that in the back of the net. It was probably his easiest of the chances that he had all all day. And a promises start again. I think we really have started to hit the ground running at the front end of games and then confidence just seems to disappear. I know, Dominic, last time you were on with us, you spoke about Leicester being a, an emotional team. Uh, we give them a corner and Jamie Vardy goes and flicks it into his own net. I, I guess at that stage, we're fearing the worst. Yeah, that definitely hit the confidence a bit, didn't it? Um, and I think that's part and parcel of maybe being a young side that these events in games seem to impact us more than maybe it does other teams. Um, yeah, going just going off of the Yuri Tillemans thing, I thought he was excellent for the weekend. And for the past three to four game weeks, he's been our most threatening player through a term that I use, the expected threat model that I use. He's been our highest performing player in, in that metric for the last four weeks. So he's, despite maybe showing a little less than last season because his level last season was unbelievable, he's still been probably Leicester's most creative player. Um, but yeah, going behind, it, it seems to be, I've noted this for many weeks of season, that we start really hot and we and we play really well and we're playing some really exciting football against Burnley in the opening 10, 15 minutes. And we created a couple of chances. I remember Tillemans blazed one over the bar from the edge of the box and, and Barnes had a good chance inside the box. And then obviously you mentioned that Vardy effort. And it feels like when that goal doesn't come and we concede, it just knocks it all out of us. And then we reverted to what's been our football um, this season for the for the remainder of that half almost, which is just kind of sluggish possession across the back line, hoping for something to, to form in the middle of the park. And unfortunately, that's not going to win you many games in the Premier League. And, and it seems to be something that we we revert to quite often. We don't we stop taking risks and stop trying to create stuff. And it, it's quite a difficult watch at the moment. I won't I won't lie. Harry, what do you think is a neutral to the way Leicester started the game? I know you're watching all of our games intently from your perfectly legal streams. Yeah, I've been asked to say, yeah, yeah. What do you think yes, is the way Leicester started? Legal. The game? Yes, they're right. Um, yeah, I thought they were good. I thought they did all right, actually. Yeah, like uh, Steve said, couldn't believe Harry missed that chance. Yuri was back, yeah, by far back to his best so far this season. And I thought the midfield three worked quite well. Um, and it was just the uh, as the game went on, it was kind of like the lack of concentration. It, it was almost no one of the three wanted to just stick back. Uh, and, and, and it was like a flat line, which maybe needed to revert to like a triangle to prevent some of the attacks in the middle. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, the goal against us was a bit of a freak, wasn't it? The, the flick at the near post from Vardy. Oh, I didn't quite get off the ground. Great finish at the front post for, <laughs> for a post, wasn't it? I think <laughs> I comment... I think I commented that he got a perfect hat trick, didn't he? His imperfect hat trick. That's the name of the show tonight, guys. <laughs> it's a, a great name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's just unfortunate. To be fair, he's at the front post. He's trying to do a job, isn't he? Um, he just didn't quite get it right. Do you think, Aidan, you've been down the, the King Power enough over recent years to know that 
when things are going well and we go behind, there's a good response from the fans, and there people, you know, will get off the seats, they'll be clapping, they'll be jeering, sort of cheering the guys on. Yeah. There seemed to be deadly silence in there on uh, on Saturday when that goal went in. Yeah, and I guess that that reflects. I think that's the mood, you know, uh, the, the mood around the place is one of a bit of dread and a bit of. I think folks will have been expecting that. Um, again, I know you guys all went for went for a Foxes win and, and some some with quite a big margin, but um, yeah, there, there's something's not right as you were saying as we were saying in our wee group chat. You know, something's not quite right at the minute. It's not flowing, um, and I guess as as in football, if you're if you don't have the confidence, you won't try things. You'll maybe wait for things to happen. Um, chances will go astray. Um, I feel with Harvey Barnes is, isn't a bad example of that at the moment. Um, I think he's, for me, he's kind of reverted to how he was at times two seasons ago, um, whenever he was maybe still getting into those positions, but just not quite applying the finish. And for me, the impressive thing about him last year was was that he, he started to have more product, end product in his game. And I think recently we've kind of, he's reverted back a little bit. He's taken a step backwards. But I think that just reflects where, where we're at as a team. And I guess the, the stadium reflects that as well. Then the, that silence that maybe folks thinking, oh, here we go again, you know. Yeah, it feels a little bit like that at the minute. One player that's definitely not took a step back so far this season is that man up front, Jamie Vardy, Steve. Uh, it, it was classic Vardy, wasn't it? That goal, but he's latching on to Tillemans' pass and a great first-time finish. Yeah, I think he had four good chances, but the the two goals he scored, he he, he, he took really, really well. It was just classic Vardy, wasn't it? Um, great ball by Tillemans, fantastic first-time finish. Seen it so many times, straight into the corner. And then the second goal, Ian Acho put him through, rounds the keeper too easily, really. Um, I think if if you're a keeper like Pope, you've got to say you you fell for that one too easily. And then again a fine finish. So but he had another good chance, I think, where he turned into a defender when he was through against the back line and obviously the header as well. Classic Jamie Vardy, I think. Yes, yeah, great to see him back and top of the goal-scoring charts, equal top anyway, in the Premier League. Um, who said his day was gone? I think our issue is defence. Yeah. I really do, and I think that's why there's fear there, and that's why we're not, we haven't been as adventurous this year until uh, Saturday, really, because we're worried that we're going to concede goals too easy. It's not a good yeah. platform, is it? No. It's not. And I think it's difficult to play when you you know you're going to concede at least one goal every game and probably two. It's a huge uphill battle. And I think that's why we've been quite reserved. And let's be honest, we had far more attempts than Burnley, despite our poor, poor defence. But when you're conceding two goals like that, it's hard work to try and win the game. We could have lost it. They were a little bit unlucky that Chris Wood's final effort was just marginally offside. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've got the equaliser from Vardy's first and then they go literally straight up the other end and score. Dominic, what's that a sign of when you concede so quickly after scoring? I mean, simply, it seems to me to be like complacency um, that sort of stuff. Uh, it, it is really frustrating because you can see as we've worked hard to get that equaliser, we've spent 30 minutes building attacks and trying to create that really good opportunity. And we finally do that. And then within moments, we concede a chance, which isn't of equal volume. That's a difficult chance that Cornet did, took away. But we shouldn't be conceding a chance like that. The, the, the 
attack started from a very simple ball over the top with Vija versus Vestergaard and he was able to hold him up and then do a pretty simple body feint to open the space at which Vestergaard fell for and then the ball was in the box and then you know, you, you try and stop attacks at source and there was a, there was a plenty of opportunities to stop that ball before it got to the back post for Cornet, who then, you know, it's a fantastic finish. You can't take anything away from him there. So it's a fantastic goal. Um, but yeah, it's, it's that frustration that we spent so long working towards getting our equaliser and deserved it by that point, I would suggest. And then to allow such a such an easy chance in terms of how easy it was to create, obviously the finish itself wasn't easy, but to allow that to happen so quickly it's just a sign of complacency and switching off. Maybe we felt like we'd done enough at that point. 1-1, one, one, we can now push on. And it's like, I don't know, there just seems to be complacency there. But that's something I've always attested to the likes of Soyuncu at the back and stuff like that is, is that, that complacency and stuff like that. And I, and I think that's what I'd pin it down to. Um, but yeah, there could be more to that, to be honest. Do you know, well, Ricardo got hooked at half-time, didn't he? And he let Corne go before the goal. He let him go forward. <clears throat> and although it was a fantastic finish, Dom, you're right. If if Ricardo had been on him, he wouldn't have had that finish, right? And then not long afterwards, he was through again, even more clean through, and Ricardo was caught up the pitch. So, I, you know, Ricardo got hooked at half-time. We looked better with Castagna on at right-back, I have to say. Yeah, I do. I do agree with that. What I would suggest with the goal, and I think you're right, he's not touched tight to him. But I would say that if... Pereira had, and he should have done, done his scouting on what Corne is as a player. He's a very much a left-footed forward. He basically never uses his right foot in any of his actions, be it dribbling, crossing, whatever. He is so left-footed, it's unbelievable. If I'd have been defending Corne and I'd have done my research on him, I would have not expected him to hit that first time. That would have been the last thing I would have anticipated him doing. It would have been controlling it and then squaring up to me and trying to find space on his left foot. So I can kind of give Pereira a little bit of the benefit of the doubt in the goal, but you are correct. There was a few option, opportunities for Cornet where he got behind Pereira far too easily. And it's actually because as much as we played in a 4-3-3, our actual average positions, we played like in a 3-5-2. I mean, Pereira and Bertrand, their average position was in the opposition half and indeed he was basically alongside the two centre-backs. So as much as we played a 4-3-3 on the team sheet, it, it played out like a 3-5-2. Um, and that, and that gave their wingers just far too much space in behind. Yeah. Interesting point, isn't it, around Corne? I think he had a, a real solid game. Uh, was that his full debut? I know he went off injured uh, around half-time. Barry, what did you think to, to him? He looks like another potential star in the making. I think it's Burnley's first um, players from overseas that they've signed directly from overseas since 2016 with Stephen DeFore. That's quite a long time not signing an overseas player, isn't it? Very much like Martin O'Neill, that. Um, yeah, he looked okay. Um, I think going back to what Dominic was saying, I think that the more concern is he, he recorded it so many times, he must have been told to do it. But surely at some point, like it's okay getting slinked, but I don't necessarily think he got slinked because he was doing the wrong thing. I think he's probably slinked because Brendan made the wrong choice and had to put a more defensive defender on, and it cost him. Speaking of Brendan making not necessarily the wrong choice, but a controversial choice, someone that was having a fine game, Aidan, was Adamola Lookman, and he got took off. Uh, around the 70-minute mark, didn't he, for, for James Madison. Quite audible discontent from some uh, sections of the Leicester City crowd at that point. Yeah, and uh, I guess we've spoken about James Madison previously and about the need to give him that time. And, and maybe it's a reflection of, of the, that patience is, is running out a bit and that... Um, you know, coupled with the fact that actually Lukman was, was carrying the ball well for us and had, had some pretty bright spells... Um, and has come in and, and done well. 
um, and the reflection that it's it's been been a while now since we've seen from James Madison what we know he can deliver um, and, and what we need him to deliver as well. Um, certainly it would be a concern for him coming again, coming into a World Cup year, that things are, are going to need to um, step up for, for his game to to even get back on the radar because I think there's there's so many good players in front of him at the minute. He's going to really need to step up and, and be the player that we, we believe or we believed 12 months ago that he can be. He's not on the radar though, is he, Aaron? Yeah, there's there's too many other players ahead of him now. Too many other. I'll put this to you, Aaron. You go to a football match, you're supporting your team. 20 minutes from the end, there's a substitution you don't agree with. What's your thoughts on people booing the manager at that point? No, I don't like that. I'm not up for that. You've, I don't know. I feel like you've got to trust your manager, haven't you? You can't just say he, he's amazing, he's doing great things for your club when you're winning, and then when he makes a substitution you don't agree with, start booing in the, in the crowd. Yeah. You're supposed to get behind the team. How If the team are struggling for confidence or whatever, a crowd full of fans booing them is not going to help, is it? That's only going to make it worse. I, I did ask Tom, he was there on uh, Saturday, if he was part of that, and he's, uh, he said he wasn't, but I'm not sure if I believe that or not. Uh, I think that, that, listen, my view has always been, you can tell me, you guys can call me out, at 90 minutes after that final whistle goes, if it's an abject performance, I'll, I will boo. I, I will let them know that it's been abject. Through the game, you're there to support, aren't you? There's no, there's no gain to be given from booing a, a player on or off or, or whatever else. What do you think to that, Steve? Am I within my rights to say that? Well, I, I think it's a very personal thing, isn't it? But I'm totally with you on that. Yeah, we're called supporters, aren't we? And I think when the team's on the pitch, even if you don't agree with it, you've got to support them all. And yes, you might show your displeasure afterwards, but um, you got people like Madison, who's obviously low on confidence right now. Is he? The boot, yeah, I think he is. I really think he is looking at him. And if if you're if you're booing Luckman coming off and Rogers' decision on that, or you're booing Madison coming on, and there was mixed feeling as to which it was, uh, or there was a bit of both, doesn't do the lad any good. It's not going to help if he's suffering with his confidence. And um, I think we should get behind the team and we should get behind Rogers until he's not manager anymore. And actually, I can't see us ever getting a manager as good as Rogers, to be honest. So we'd be foolish to hound him out of the club. Yeah, um, I'm seeing a lot of comments already. He's taken us as far as we as he can, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's, that might be true in terms of the money we've got to compete against the big six. Mm. But who are we going to get that's going to do better than Rogers? You know, I, I think he's doing a great job. Sure, he'll make mistakes. Everyone does. Um, well, I, I think it's too early to make any judgments in the season, but it's depressing watching us right now you have to say Barry I know you were shaking your head then uh, regarding Leicester getting anyone better than than Brendan Rodgers I know it's uh, it's got your goat a little bit over the weekend isn't it some what you call fickle Leicester fans yeah it's, it's a bit pathetic and very short memories I think um, yeah I think you're, I think you're right I think you're allowed to you can show your emotion and if you don't like a decision he makes you can talk it and express the way you want. Um, unfortunately, the thing, and I'm being a neutral, I do get really irate with Rogers not making the right decisions at the right times, in my opinion anyway. Um, and it, it, I could understand that in a game that you're losing or understand a game you're not playing well that he's not doing it. But in a game where you're playing all right and 
arguably your second best player on the pitch is subbed off for someone who needs to get his confidence up, I'd be pretty raging at that too. I think he made the comment that he played 65 minutes in that game and played all of midweek and was was tired, but he was still the most productive player that we had at that point. He took it fairly well, though, Brendan Rodgers. He said uh, he's been here two and three quarter years and he's never been booed before, so we will take that. Um, the, the ego was still very much intact, I think, Dominic. Yeah, sorry, I just muted that. Um, no, I agree, I agree. And I. it was interesting because, because Lugman actually wasn't playing too much as a winger in that game. I don't know if we noticed that. He was definitely inverting a lot more in the pitch and was playing more of a James Madison role, funnily enough. Because in the week prior when we played a 4-3-3, we had Madison playing Lugman's role. And now we've brought Lugman into the team playing a role that I think would suit Madison quite nicely. So it was quite interesting that Rodgers chose to do it that way round. But... Um, I was frustrated at the time when I was watching the game. I, I turned to my dad and I was like, he's creating the most for us at the moment. His ball carrying is doing so much for us that, you know, bringing on Madison's not going to change a great deal of that. But I am a believer that Rogers is very, very good as a manager at reading situations. Sometimes he'll get his decision wrong. And I think there's a lot more that maybe fans don't see the side of. We don't know the condition of, of Lookman's fitness and sharpness and that sort of stuff. And if we're pushing him to his extremities to just try and get a goal in a game against Burnley when he might then fatigue and be uh, even an injury sort of situation, I'm very doubtful that's the case. But you know, these things are stuff that we've got to weigh up because our injury record is not looking good over the last season or so. So bringing on is Madison, it, a player that we wanted to get 70 million for as well, it's not like it's a bad replacement, is it? That was an understatement about the injury record there, uh, not being that yeah. good uh, the last season. But we can't we can't yeah. moan about it now. Madison is not a seventy million pound player at the minute, is he? I wonder. And this might be a harsh comparison, uh, Aidan. He reminds me a bit of Deli Ali's fall from grace at the moment. That you had a player that was so well thought of that was really at the top of his game. I know Ali played a lot of games for England. It's, go, it's gone into the wilderness, isn't he? He's just absolutely slipped into nowhere. I think he's he's going. He is going. Um... I think the next half dozen games, next six to six to ten games, maybe six to eight games, um, will 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 decide a lot. Um, I mean, at the same time, the, the team's not playing well. Um, overall, of course, that contributes to it. But you know, it's maybe not a great time. Uh, on top of that, you know, if if we were playing well and he was playing poorly, it would stand out more. Um, but yeah, it, it's going in the wrong direction. You know, you we want to be hopeful, but it's. Uh, it's taking the wrong path at the moment for him. Um, I wonder, wonder will he get a look in against Legia Warsaw on Thursday, potentially? Well, we'll discuss that as we, as we go through. I know you've done a bit of research into the Polish league this week, so that, uh, that'll Very be an interesting brief. report to, to hear. Uh, Aidan, Aaron, sorry. Um, final point on Brendan Rodgers and, and where he's at at the moment. If we had to score his, his performance out of 10 so far after these opening six games, uh, how would you score him? How's he doing? That's, that's tough because I think Dominic just said like there, there's obviously a lot that goes on behind the scenes that football fans just never know um, whether that is different stats on players kind of fatigue levels and their fitness um, you're looking at Vestergaard would if you had a fit back line Vestergaard probably wouldn't have played anywhere near the, same, the amount of minutes that he has so you're bringing a new player into the club and just chucking him in you've got players who kind of didn't really get a decent chance to hit any form at the back end of last season coming back from injury you're trying to get new uh, other new blood into the squad as well 
I don't know. I, th- I think it is a little bit tough. And then you, as Leicester fans, you're looking at kind of where you want to be from the last two seasons. But the, the team kind of, or whatever, spent so much money, that gap just opened up. I think it's hard to really judge where you sit at the moment in, in that kind of pyramid of the, the Premier League. Got some proper splinters there, I think, Karen, sitting on that front. <laughs> you know what it is? As a Bristol City fan, you're scared to criticise the majority because you know what happens if you criticise Big Nige. Yeah, I'm going to get my face smashed in. Like. <laughs> going to find my hands and much. do me in. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm going to give the final words on the, the Burnley game over to you, Dominic. Again, is there any analysis there that we've missed that you'd like to, to bring to, to our attention as to why we only got the point? Um, no, not necessarily, I wouldn't say. There's something I did know that I think is a drawback of the 4-3-3 we play is that we don't have very many late runners into the box when we go to try and create from crosses. And because um, we're playing Samare as the most attack-minded of the three, or at least he plays the highest up, which I've got a lot of problems with just as a, as a caveat already because he's played the majority of his career as a deep midfielder and his best receiving the ball from his defence, pivoting when he receives the ball and playing vertically at the pitch. So quite why Brendan's trying to make him an attacking midfielder, I don't understand that. But just as an overall point, that a midfield three of Tillemans and Didi and Samare, none of them are going to arrive late into the box to get on the end of a cross. Tillemans is the closest to doing that in terms of how he plays as a profile. And he had quite a few shots from the top of the box in the game. I think I counted three or so. But it was that lack of just an extra runner in from midfield that I think could have unlocked us a goal or two extra because there was space. Because Burnley are very good at kind of defending their six-yard box and a little bit outside of that, which means that Vardy and, and the winger coming from the opposite side are covered quite nicely by their defence. Had we brought an extra attacking midfielder to, to kind of arrive in the box late, could we have unlocked another chance or two? I think we could have done. Uh, and that could have been the difference in the game for me. Um, but it's difficult to say that because t- when I saw the team, that's the team I wanted to play with that 4-3-3. Yeah. So it's it's all in hindsight, isn't it, at the end of the day? But yeah, I'm hopeful Brendan's seen some stuff there that we can work on ahead of the next few games. Yeah, I think we all felt like that, Steve, didn't we? That, that was the lineup that you know we, we wanted at that stage. Yeah, I think so. I was very happy with the lineup. If If we had three centre-backs... I would probably go with the three centre-backs and Vardy and Iheanacho up front and, and not Barnes, especially on his current form. I mean, Barnes, when he's unplayable, you've got to play him. But he doesn't fit into that, whether it's a 5-3-2 or, um, or whether it's a 3-5-2, a, a he doesn't fit into that. In fact, wingers don't fit into that structure, which we played at the end of the last season. And Vardy and Ian Acho looked so good together, even when Vardy was off form. So that's something to bear in mind. It's another option. But we haven't got enough central defenders to play that probably until JJ or Evans is back or whatever. Barry, I had a message from one of our listeners this week asking to educate you in how to say Ian Acho, not Iniacho. Uh, as uh, I believe you do. So I just thought we'd take the opportunity while I was reminded there. Any thoughts? Have you see any actually, to be fair? No, yeah, you do, that. yeah. Uh, any actual, yeah. See it properly? Ian I used to do it as well, Barry. Um, think, th- you need to think that his first name's Ian and his last name's Nacho. <laughs> <laughs> Barry, while we're over to you, uh, as last week's last episode's loser, you are the man to do uh, last man standing this week for us. It's been sitting there for a little while, hasn't it? So I bet you're busting to get that. Uh, yeah, well, basically, what the topic is, is 
I was thinking of just how many goals Vardy scores. And I, I was curious to know how many players for Leicester have scored 10 or more goals in the Premier League. So that is what this week's last man standing is. So do you want a bit of time to think or am I just going to fire into it? Let's get on with it. All right. First, oh, guest always goes first. So up to you, Dominic. Is he aside from Vardy, yeah? No, no, you can include him. All right, I'll just get that one out of the way then. We'll go Vardy first. We'll leave the niche ones for later on. Okay, right, Aidan, you're next. Uh, Emil Heskey. Yeah, Emil Heskey, 33 goals. Vardy had 124 altogether. Wow. Uh, Let's go for, well, I was going to go Steve, but he's away. He's gone for a poo. (laughs) Right, Mark, you go next. (laughs) Uh, I'll go with Riyad Mahrez. Uh, Riyad Mahrez is, uh, yes, second in the list, 39 goals. Right, Aaron, go. Uh, I'm struggling already, I think. Ajoa? Ajoa's got 18. Yeah. On a, Aiden, go, let Aiden sing the song first. We need an Aiden song okay. in this. Go on, Aiden. Oh, his name is Leonardo. Oh, he's number 23. Oh, he cost him. Fortune, but any scores, well, that's all right with me. Your mother's least favourite player, Mark. I know. Sorry about that. Carry on. That's all right, Steve. Your turn. Well, I was emptying my Guinness, so please repeat the question. (laughs) Uh, So it's it's players who play for Leicester who scored over 10 goals in the Premier League. Over 10 in the Premier League. We've had Jamie Vardy. Uh, Mead Mares, Emil Heskey and Leonardo Azura. Ian Marshall. Ian Marshall. Correct. 18 goals. Uh, back to Dominic. Uh, I'll go for another. I'm surely right. Okazaki. Uh, Okazaki, 14. Yeah. Aidan. Uh, did Neil Lennon make the 10 goal mark? <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to be three? I, I, I don't even have him on my list. I think that means there's no last man standing for the next 10 weeks while we wait for Aiden <laughs> to make a reappearance onto the show. Right, Mark, it's you. Uh, Tony Cotty. Yeah, 27 goals. Oh, I was going to go. Yeah. Uh, Big Wes. Uh, no, unfortunately, mate. Not there. Steve? Has anyone gone for Harvey Barnes here? No, not yet. I'll Harvey Barnes, him, 16 yeah. goals. Sure. Uh, back to Dominic. I'm hopeful Muzzy is it. Sure. Muzzy is it, yeah, 33. Uh, we're back to Aiden. Aiden's out. Neil Lennon oh, scored six, six Leicester City goals in his career. So right, Back to you, Mark. Sorry, guys. Uh, Matt Elliott. Yep, 22. Right, Steve. Has anyone gone for Heskey yet? Yes, I had Heskey. Yes, oh, OK. Um, mm, that's an interesting one. Uh, Steve Claridge. Claridge, yeah, 12. Dominic. Hmm. I can find out clues if you want, or we carry on. No clues. All right, Mark. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll do no clues. Um, 
I don't think he played enough in the Premier League era. I'm going to go for All Brighton. Yep, twelve. I'll tell you how many's left. Nine. Uh, so it's back to Mark. Uh, Paul, uh, no, no, Les Ferdinand. Oh, you bastard. I was going to go for him. 12. Yeah, Steve. He's just taken that one right off my lips. Um, Steady. Oh, this is a difficult one now. Um, mm, mm, mm. Steve Guppy. No, he got nine. Oh. oh. <laughs> Unfortunate. Right, back to Dominic. Dominic and Mark, here we go. I'm not feeling too confident now, Mark, so you, you're okay. Um, I've got two in mind, but I'm not sure if either of them. I'll go I'll go Wes Morgan because he played more. I'm hopeful from the corner. Someone said Morgan. Didn't yeah, Ar- yeah, Aaron's already said Morgan, yeah. yeah. He got okay. okay. Oh, okay, I'm glad I didn't commit to that then. Um, I'll go Andy, <laughs> Andy King then. But I don't, I, even then, I'm not sure Andy King. He's a goal scorer midfielder. No, I don't have him, unfortunately. No, that's a shame. Right, Marky Boy, do I t- keep going? Paul Dickoff. Yep, 15. And I'm just going to tell you, there's three in the current squad. Four three. in the current squad. Four, Four in, in the qu- current squad. Okay, so... Tillemans, obviously, has got to be one. Correct. Literally to be started. Oh, Ian Atchett. Yeah, I've just clocked that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course. And the big, big time Charlie. James Madison. Yeah. And then. Who, how many more have you got left now? Everyone's favourite guy to hate. Hey, Jose. Hey, uh, Perez. And now we've got three. Uh, one absolute legend. Steve Walsh. Steve oh, Walsh? Uh, no, he's not there. One legend. Jo- joke of a legend. Joe Chim. Uh, nope. One that has currently left. Or left losing this. Oops. No, it's a colour. Grey. Grey. <laughs> yeah. And the final, two well. are, the final two are James Scowcroft and Addy Akinbae. Wow, I can't believe Akinbae got 10. Yeah. I'll take I'll take that victory. I'll take that victory. Okay, right, let's, you, let's talk well really done, quickly about Warsaw on Thursday. Aidan, what can we expect from uh, Legia Warsaw? They're not doing too well in their own league at the moment, are they? <laughs> that's about the height of that. That's about the height of the analysis I can give. I think that they're currently sitting 14th out of 18 teams in uh, in the Polish um, top flight, and suffered a 3-2 home defeat against Raksa. I'm going to say Raksa uh, at the weekend. That's our Polish fan base gone straight away. Yeah. Thanks for that. <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah, things aren't going great for them, but of course they. Um, I, I'm right in saying they went to Moscow and won in the first first round yeah. of games, one nil. So that was a bit of an upset, I think. Ninety uh, second minute winner, I think. I think they got Steve. What sort of lineup do we put out? We've got to go full strength. Well, if we want to uh, compete in the cup, I think we have to go more or less full strength whether that's bringing in one or two of the bench players for one or two of the players 
uh, like Evans, maybe Perez or somebody like that. I know people will hate me for saying that, but, um, you know, a couple of those kind of players, maybe Castagna instead of Ricardo. Um, there'll be a few changes, but we can't make many if we want to. We, we really need at least a point, if not a win, I think, there to, to finish top, if we've got any chance of finishing top. Has to be a win, doesn't it, Dominic? We have to go there and get three points. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, the game versus Napoli. So the game is not against Napoli. Garby must wins, and then it's just how we do head-to-head with Napoli that decides who finishes first. I've, I've got a li- little bit of knowledge on Warsaw. They tend to play in a three-four-three formation, so maybe that dictates how we set up. That tends to be with the the three being a big target man, um, Peck Hart, who played at Euro twenty twenty with the Czech Republic. Everyone knows that. And then two little attacking midfielders either side of him to make like almost a three-four-two-one. Um, so they they and they like most teams in Europe League like to have the ball and play possession football. So they'll be a decent team and they won't be any pushover. So yeah, I think full strength will be required. Um, interesting to see if we match them and go three in the back. I'd be intrigued to see if Rogers decides upon that. Aidan, your analysis is so far weak of that. That is almost embarrassing. Thanks, Mark. No, I'll just sort of give you that feedback. Uh, <laughs> Steve, you're you looking forward to it? BT Sport on Thursday night? Thursday yeah, night I am. Afternoon. Hopefully, I'm, I'm not going to be too busy out here. I'm, uh, there's a lot on, so I could even be out with a client, which would be frustrating because then I wouldn't be able to watch it. But, um, yeah, really looking forward to it. Europa League for me is uh, is quite exciting and it's one that if we if we start to perform, which we haven't yet this season, not for a while actually, then we've got a chance of of really doing well in. I think so. Yeah, excited by it. What are you expecting from Leicester on Thursday, Barry? Uh, I think this might be the turn. I, I would um, I would like them to match that. If that was information, I'd quite like to see, uh, and it might be surprising, Madison and Perez behind Vardy. Yeah, and match the exact same information, and uh, maybe. Drop some alley and uh, yeah, tighten up. When does Daka get a game? Well, yeah, I suppose this this could be the game to be fair because Vardy can't be playing twice a week, I don't think. So yeah, maybe Vardy. But I think maybe um, I'm not going to say his name because I get it wrong again. I'm pissed off that fan. <laughs> Ian Acho. Ian, Ian Acho. Acho. He, might, he might get the nod with the two Perez and Madison by them. Plenty of creativity there. I don't think he can play on his own. I think he's got to play with somebody else, to be honest. He played on, did he play, no, he didn't play with Dakar, didn't he, against Millwall last week? Yeah. His goals, though, isn't he, Steve? Every time he plays, he has an effect on the game. I don't know how what must go through his mind every week when that team sheet comes out. No, I know. Well, maybe it's a, a chance for Ian Acho and Dakar to play and uh, Vardy to come on as an impact sub if he's needed, and hopefully he wouldn't be. Um, it's about time Dakar got a run out. I'm not sure what he's doing wrong in training or whatever at the moment, but it's hard to drop Vardy, isn't it? The form is on. I think that's the key thing. Um, but Ian Acher's got to play with Vardy or Dakar. He can't play up front on his own, I don't think. Vardy's finishing, Aaron, at the moment. He's back to almost his best. I mean, he's not even human, is he? No, it's unbelievable. And I think if, if you're looking for a shining light at the moment, it is Vardy. Like you said, he's joint top goal scorer in the league and you're not playing well but suddenly you start getting some of your creative players playing better how many, how many goals is he going to pick up then with these little half chances these great little finishes on either foot um, yeah I think kind of what everyone said you'd almost not want to play him I think Thursday 
And I, and I don't think it's necessarily backers doing anything wrong. It's just, well, you're not going to drop Varley, are you, if he's just going to keep finishing the way he's finishing? Yeah, we need mm. to keep him fit for sure. Hey, there's there's an interesting been... stat, sorry to interrupt, Mark, but there's an interesting stat, Dominic might know this, that he started like a train in the previous two seasons, but his kind of conversion rate was like high 40%, like 48 49%. But this season it's down at 29%, which suggests that his goal scoring is sustainable at that level because that's his, around his normal average converting 28 29% of chances so um maybe uh, you know there's a lot of positives to be read in that that he's going to keep going this year Dominic's just writing that down to nick it for his own, uh, his own <laughs> yeah thanks for that one no he is spot on mate. He's, he's absolutely right if you're converting at 49% that's you, you can't sustain that i think most premier league strikers it's low 20%. So anywhere and around that's pretty decent. But we're one of the worst, as you mentioned earlier, at creating shots at the moment. So the fact that Vardy scored as many as he has, I mean, we're the fifth best team for the quality of chances we create. So the expected goals per shot we create, we're the fifth best in the league. So it's the shots we're not making aren't plentiful, but they're of good quality. And that's probably why Vardy scored a few of those. Yeah, let's hope that continues. Aidan, have you been to um, Poland watching Northern Ireland at all? Have you ever been over there watching the football? That was my first my first Northern Ireland away game. March 2005 was in Warsaw. Any, um, uh, in any Legia, tip? In Legia, any Warsaw's old stadium. Any tips for the 800 Leicester fans making the journey? Uh, I'd say, say just kind of keep your heads down, watch yourselves a bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a yeah. training training trip for the return to Naples. That is, I don't know. Kind of is like, yeah. People, I, mean, I remember going, just walking down the street uh, in my Northern Ireland shirt, minding my own business, and people coming up and giving me giving me the finger right into my face like that. So, um, <laughs> wasn't that nice? That that wasn't anything to do with the Northern Ireland shirt, pal. <laughs> that was just you. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. And then we got out. We were released from the ground, only to be um, kind of kettled in by by uh, by riot police for about half an hour um, after the game. Uh, he proceeded to let us out about three or four at a time. So I'm not quite sure if that was just to let small groups of us out to be uh, ambushed by the <laughs> Polish ultras. Um, but we, we kind of gave a rendition of Engel, Engelbert Humberdings. Please release me, let me go. And eventually they did release us. And, we, we and where, and and where was out. Engelbert from, Aidan? Do you know? Leicester, of course. Of course he is. Yeah, good. That's two, two musical interludes tonight. I feel like we're going to have to get a music license for this show uh, with, with your dulcet tones. Of course, after that, we, we play Crystal Palace, don't we, on uh, Sunday live on Sky Sports. You're currently um, leading 1-0 at halftime against just, Brighton and Hove Albion. You just took the words right out of my mouth, Aidan. Wilfred Zaha penalty in the 47th minute. Second minute of the uh, time added on. It's not going to be an easy trip, that. Our head-to-head against Palace, I think we've won 29, lost 27 over the years. I know that doesn't create a great deal, but it's not an easy place to go, Steve, is it, uh, over to Selhurst Park? No, we've had one or two classy moments, haven't we? I remember Mares, um helping us win there in, when, we won the, when we won the league, but we've had plenty of defeats as well and abject performances at Selhurst Park. So uh, very much uh, mixed view of our runs there. And the fact that Vieira's got them playing a little bit and we're off form uh, doesn't augur well, does it? We've got to hope that we get a, a pick up from um, our game in Europe on Thursday and that 
transfers through to Palace because we'll need to be at our best to get a result there. And actually, we need a win because if we even if we draw, which wouldn't be a bad result, we're kind of stumbling down around the bottom reaches of the division still, aren't we? Well, we could be fourth from bottom by the time we kick off on Sunday. That's without even kicking a ball. That's a stark thing to say, Barry, isn't it? That Leicester City could be fourth from bottom of the Premier League this season after after seven games. What are you yeah, smiling yeah. at? What are you smiling at? Uh, just your beautiful haircut. Um, I think the <laughs> it's, it's dangerous and it, it, it's hard to get out of that sometimes. Um, like we like obviously Villa battled through that a couple of seasons ago, and it's just a mentality and it's. I don't know. Like uh, some of the some of the boys need to start showing up. And from what I've seen at the corner of my eye tonight, because the Palace have looked cracking, they've been all over Brighton. Brighton could have went top tonight if they won. Are you not concentrating so, on this show? Have I not gave wonderful insight to the <laughs> game of football? Uh, you know, but, but you know, they, you're but in, have, you, you know you're enjoying good. this even more when we struggle. By the way, yeah, that's your absolutely, right. <laughs> absolutely not. I think. Um, it just, it's, I don't know, someone, someone needs to get a slap in the face or something. Someone needs to change. I don't know what it is. I don't know if they just think it's going to happen or they're just expecting it to happen. It, it's almost like they're not working for it. They're not trying for it. They need to change something. I, I don't like. I, I wish I could tell you what that is. This, certainly, decision-making needs to be done sooner in games. And I don't know if Brendan needs to do some big gamble changes just to try something that's a bit more creative. Aaron, you're skilled in the art of leadership. Uh, smiling at me there. Uh, it, it is a, there's a mentality, isn't there? The, the the longer it takes to win, it can become that little bit harder over time. It's almost like the, the the monkey on your shoulder. Yeah, and I think uh, you you started off the, tonight talking about confidence of the team and maybe of a lot of the players being younger and how that affects the team a bit more. That that is just going to be a, a burden that just keep going. That that is where you need your pros, don't you, to step up and. Almost where Barry then was saying about Brendan, maybe slapping a couple of people about. Maybe it's the senior pros that need to start kind of getting in people's ears and dragging people along a little bit and up in the ante on the performances that need to be turned out. I don't think they're 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 not in trouble though. That like they just need to turn it around. They just need to get get that win, whether it's uh they play out of this world or they just get a back to back couple of uh, one nil wins or something, mm-hmm. and suddenly you'll be flying again. Is that part of the problem, though, Dominic, for us, that those senior pros, we lost a lot all at once, didn't we, this summer with uh, Fuchs and, and Morgan? Well, two. Um, <laughs> but but two, two real key members of the squad. Uh, I know Brighton and Shemichael and Vardy are still there, but have we lost some of that influence that was in and around the dressing room? Yeah, I definitely think that could be part of it, absolutely. Um, and as much as we... I said previously that Bertrand might be a replacement for Fuchs in that sort of leadership-esque role. It, it's not it's not confirmed whether or not he subsidised that or not. So, yeah, that definitely could be something that's that's troubling the squad at the moment. If there's any positives we can take, I think that we match up better against this current Palace side than we did versus the older Palace team under Hodgson. I think a, a ball-playing Palace side, of which is their signings are very much geared towards playing football and attracting a lot of young talents from in the London area. I think that suits Leicester City more than playing versus a team that likes to play a little bit more rough around the edges and long ball and, and that sort of stuff. And that's not to say that's Palace's game plan previously, but that was what they were definitely more aimed towards doing. And I think we have more joy playing uh, against a side that likes to hold possession more so. And, and I think that's something we can take the positive from, that we could maybe match them up better and get a good result against them at the weekend. Because it is needed. I, I would have said from the game versus Burnley and Palace, we needed six points really after 
how other games have gone prior. So, um, yeah, the weekend's got to be three points. But I feel positive about it. So you're telling me that Benteke is not going to get his only goals of the season against us this season? See, I can't confirm more than that. <laughs> the ever-obliging Leicester City is referred it, to. It, absolutely, um, yeah. So, yeah, I can't confirm that, but fingers crossed he doesn't. I, he shouldn't be anywhere near that team. They've got a lot more talent now. He should be anywhere near that team. So Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it, with uh, Patrick Vieira there now? It's a complete change for Palace. Have you seen much of them this season, Aaron? Yeah, I've watched a bit, actually. They, they do look, everything that Dominic was saying, they're much more technical. They're trying to get the ball down and play some football. I can't think who it was I watched them against the other week. They look decent. Obviously, Edward, who you were looking at in the summer, potentially, like, I think, AB came on and scored two of his pretty much his first touch. Yeah. He's, he's obviously starting tonight. But Spurs, like, isn't it? like Dominic said, Ben Teke shouldn't really even be uh, taking his shirt out into the uh, to the bench when you've got Edwards kind of up there doing his stuff. So you're going to upset Barry there. Legend, isn't he, Ben Teke? He's, he's quality. Yeah, he just played incorrectly. <laughs> he's a poor man's Lukaku. He's a uh, much more handsome Lukaku. I don't think that counts for a lot of the Premier League at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> but you never know. Guys, I'll take your predictions for uh, for the game on Sunday, actually, Aidan. I'll start with you, Mr. Prediction League. In fact, before we start, do you want to give us a bit of a rundown of the league so far? Yeah, so the league so far, um, well, you could have given us a wee bit of warning, Mark, um, but I can get it for you. <laughs> Just make it up. Just say that on top. I am, I am... Um, after five games, after six games now, uh, Aaron, Baz and Aidan all, all in first place with six points. Then Tom um, is fourth. Uh, Steve, fifth. And yourself, Mark, bringing up the rear. The Red Lantern, as it would say in French, with one point. Long-term, long-term, long-term rouge. <laughs> long-term rouge. Oh yeah, Malcolm yeah, the field. I'm gonna make a late comeback, mate. Don't don't worry about that. Just give give us your prediction for uh, for Sunday. Oh dear, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but I, I see it a, a two-one victory for Crystal Palace. Gone, Aaron. Two all. Goals, goals, goals. Barry. Um, I think it'll be one all. I think Evans will start. Steve. I'm going the same as Barry, one all. And Dominic. I'm going to be positive and say 2 1 Leicester. And I'm going to be positive and say 1 0 Leicester. Oh, nil. Oh, clean sheet. Which means <laughs> it went for another rough afternoon <laughs> if, oh, really? uh, if the prediction league's anything to go by. Uh, we've not got too much longer left this evening, but I just want to touch really quickly on the next five fixtures after this game. Just to put the, the game into context, Steve, uh, Crystal Palace away after that. The next five league fixtures are against Manchester United at home, Brentford away, Arsenal at home, Leeds away and Chelsea at home. That's tough, isn't it? Very tough, yeah. Um, yeah, if you look at that, Manchester United and who was the penultimate game away? Um, Leeds. Leeds. They're probably the easiest games out of those and they're not easy, are they? Brentford look really good, actually. I've been really impressed with Brentford. Yeah. And obviously Chelsea, um, yeah, Man City did a number on them, but other than that, they've looked really good. Um, it's going to be a tough few games for us. How many points do you see us picking up? Um, six, if we're lucky, I think. 
Yeah, that's strange, isn't it, how the mentality changes? Because I put that to our Facebook group a little bit earlier, and, and the most optimistic really is about eight points out of the five games. It's not great. That wouldn't be a great pickup, would it, compared yeah. to previous seasons? Aaron, realistically, as a, a neutral, uh, well, from Man United at home, obviously, you're not a massive neutral for that. But out of the 15 points we've got there, if we take anything above eight, that would be a huge success at, at the moment, given our, our current form. Yeah, I think so. When I've looked at that and the matchups, I think I've put down for four points out of those five games. A win against sit? a win against Leeds and a draw against Arsenal. Okay. So you see defeats to Chelsea, uh, United and, and Brentford. Yeah, I think I, I like Steve said, I like Brentford. I think it, it might shod the eleven aside Sunday league that I try and have a game of football at every Sunday. Talking about Brentford and saying they're almost a better Leeds. You need yeah. to play this crazy football, but if you get at them, you're going to bang in goals where Brentford look like they're going to gun at you, but much more solid defensively. It's going to be a horrible place to go this season, Aidan, isn't it? Uh, down to, it's not Griffin Park now, they're the new ground. Community Stadium, yeah, well, it really has been. Obviously, that's the first game of the Premier League season was Arsenal um, getting, getting being defeated there. And then uh, Liverpool had a tough time at the weekend. So, yeah, they really get the atmosphere up and... Um, just go at teams and yeah, and be a tough place to go for us. Same question over to you, uh, Dominic. After those five games, if we only pick up the the five or six points that some of the guys were alluding to here, you know, what's the what's the mood going to be like in the camp at that stage? Yeah, it's uh, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I think that's why this unfortunately this room we've had recently has been so important because the points are going to be difficult to collect from these next five games. Um, I think you've got to try and maybe look at these in isolation and say, look, if we only get the minimum of five, that's we, we would have maybe taken that given how difficult these fixtures are and hope that we then outperform that because if we start getting to the mindset where we need to win these games and that, that negatively impacts us, it could kind of spiral out of control a little bit. So we need to be careful about how we our expectations from these games. Um, I think Brentford are a really nice team, as everyone's been saying, and I love watching them and they're very data-driven. That obviously is very close to my heart and they're creating the best shots in the in the entire league in terms of quality of chance but they're not creating that many and I'm not sure how long they can keep this up for um, so I don't think they're as formidable as an, opp- as an opponent as we're maybe making them out to be when we go to their place uh, I still think we'll struggle but I, I don't think they're going to be as good as they have been I think that's going to have to slowly fizzle out a little bit um, but looking across the other fixtures apart from Arsenal I don't see United at home Chelsea at home and Leeds away I don't see many points in those games to be honest with you it's a tough end to the show tonight. We might need might need Aiden to to sing a little bit to cheer us up. I think uh, just one point on on Brentford, Barry. We've played Brentford twice over the last two seasons, whereas not many other Premier League clubs have. We've played them in the FA Cup twice and beat them twice. Is that going to be even a marginal advantage compared to the other teams? Yeah, I think so. I think they they, they have been good, but from what I saw, you've got to remember that it's kind of Dominic alluded to it there. They played Liverpool and Arsenal, so they're obviously going to be up for that. Uh, when they played us, we were by far the better team, and not um, not because we were tactically astute or better. It was just they were so gun ho. They were a bit leads against us, mm-hmm. and I think if there's one team in the league that's good at counter, it's your boys. So I, th- I think that's the one. I think that's the one game you could maybe win. But I, I just I, like, without saying negatively, I, th- I I think you're going to really struggle in that set. So, it, okay, so that's another six games down the road. That's 13 games since the season, the third of the season. We're potentially going to have played more games than we've got points at that stage. 
at that stage, out of this podcast, are we struggling? Where, where are our heads at then? You know, are we are we then right to, to say, look, the manager's under a bit of pressure here? Or we're, we're in a, I don't say relegation battle, but we're, we're definitely not in the place we want to be. Of course, if we if we're getting a point a game or less, of course it's going to be very unsatisfactory after thirteen games. You've got to say that, yeah. How can we be challenging for the top six even if that's our form? Third of the way through the season. Did you beat Brentford, Barry? Yeah, we drew. Yeah, we drew. Yeah, yeah. What we say, what was really good about them is the Embuemo. He's like the silent assassin. I thought he was fantastic. The couple of games I've watched. Brentford, all the attention's on Tony and they leave him spare. If he was just a slightly better finisher, he would get a lot of goals. They gave Liverpool a right game, didn't they, on Saturday? It was probably one of the best games I've seen for, for a long time. There was no way they were going to lose that game. They just kept coming and coming. Oh, OK. I don't think we've got loads more to, to discuss tonight, lads. Uh, I, I don't know how we end it on a, on a more high because, you know, you've just painted that we're, we're going to go down to the conference in the next five years. <laughs> Aidan, cheer us up. What have you got well, to say? remember, it's football. It's football. One one or two good performances and it all changes around. Football is a game of confidence. Our confidence is low at the moment, but that doesn't mean it can't change. Uh, let me give you an anecdote to, to, to leave you with. On Saturday, and as you know, the, the club that's close to my heart, Crusaders, on Saturday before kickoff at the Oval, three teams in the Northern Ireland Premier League have gone full-time professional. Linfield, Glentorn and Larne. Crusaders, we felt that we're being left behind. And so our manager described our team on Saturday before kickoff as beans on toast, maybe scrambled egg on toast at best. We went to the Oval, went to Glentorn with their Iranian backer, their money pouring in from the Gulf oil states. And we put three goals past them in that second half, 3-0. We beat them, I beg your pardon, one in the first half, two in the second half, 3-0 victory. At the end, Stephen Baxter came out and said, my team started the day like beans on toast. But that second half, that second half was steak and peppered sauce, and onions, and mushrooms. That's what that I had to think tonight. He sitting around at the end of the game, and he said, boys, a wee bit more of that, and we might even go for a bit so of there, there you go. I had Crusaders for my dinner. So it can all change. You might be eating, you might be eating cornflakes um, this morning, Mark, but tomorrow morning it could be a champagne breakfast. Don't you worry. I hope not because I'm working tomorrow, so I'd be in big trouble if uh, if that was the case. Yeah, it's more Does like that... a crisp sandwich and it's not even walkers. Do you yeah. uh, do you feel a lot better after joining us tonight, Dominic? Because, you know, leaving on that analogy, put put your stats to one side around everything else. We, we could be beans on what? toast. Hey, look, if I heard that before I went onto the pitch, that would give me some incentive, I think. So putting the stats to the side, that's got me geared up and ready for, for the next few games, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's a positive. I like that. It's a positive ending. We could be we're beans on toast, but we could be we could be steak, and I like that. Yeah, who doesn't want to be steak? <laughs> yeah, I think I think we, I think we should probably finish at some point soon. Um, <laughs> on that note, Dominic, thanks very much for joining us again. We needed you tonight just to just to tell us really where it had gone slightly wrong uh, over the past couple of weeks for Leicester. Will you come and join us again at some point? Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for having me on again. I'm sorry I can't give any concrete answers as to what's going on, but try and give a bit of context to what's happening. And fingers crossed, we uh, we start coming out the other end of it pretty soon. 
I think I speak for all the lads when I say that they love they love the analytical side of the game and the stats. So uh, thanks for thanks for coming on and thank you very much for listening to it. it's eleven it's heaven for Jamie Vardy and um, we'll speak to you again next week. <laughs>